live at Border City L House. The Christmas decorations are up. I am feeling festive. I know that now it's really holiday time. They've got all the lights. They've got the uh, the the big inflatable Santa when you walk in to the right. And uh, man, oh man, even the stockings are up as well. And uh, why not? I mean, we are three weeks to the day from Christmas Day. That's right. Three weeks from today, it will be Christmas. So you better believe that they're excited about that. I think the 12 beers of Christmas are going to be happening pretty soon out here also at the L House. I'll have details on that. It's pint night with three fifty, four fifty, five fifty pints, $3 cans of Modelo, and $4 Fireball. Plus, we also have uh, the food. The food is amazing. And I think this year I've gone through the menu in a very impressive fashion. And I've tried everything from their burgers to their chicken sandwiches to their fajita tacos, their brisket nachos. Um, I've also had the tenders, the chicken tenders they have. I've done everything but the wings, which might be tonight's main course, Adrian, because their wings are so good. They're they're, uh, honey hot or, or delicious. And, you know, whether it's the loaded fries, the flatbread pizza, there's so much for everybody out here at Border City L House, and the prizes are going to be great as well. Man, oh, man, we've got uh, skate pass vouchers to the Convention Center Plaza for the rink at Winterfest. Uh, more information, epwinterfest.com. This goes through January the 1st. We'll be giving that away. Also, from our friends at 915 Sports and Novelties, I have a Dallas Cowboys Shimmer decal to be giving away as well. Uh, excited about that. Also, from our friends at Literarity over there on uh, North Mesa in uh, Pepper Tree uh, Square, um, they have given us copies of Friday Night Lives, photos from the town, the team, and after from Robert Clark. He was the photographer who uh, took all the pictures for the uh, great uh, book that uh, came out years ago. From Buzz Bissinger and All About Odessa Permian. I'm going to give away a couple copies of this from Literarity. And uh, they do such great work out there on the west side. If you love books, and that's a great place to shop right before the holidays. Also, I've got a KLAQ black baseball cap I'm going to be giving away today. I've got sunglasses from Oscar Adietta and the Oscar Adietta Agency. And uh, I mentioned 915 Sports and Novelties and what they're providing us out there at Bassett Place. Great place for all your jerseys and all your sports uh, gear you want for the holidays. They've got everything at 915 Sports and Novelties. And finally, from all that music and video, Collectors Marketplace, located inside the Fountains of Farrah, directly below the Best Buy parking lot, I've got a Trevor Lawrence gold premium vinyl Funko that I'm going to be giving away this one even looks like Trevor Lawrence from Jacksonville. It is perfect. We've got Jags and Bengals lanyards, the bottle opener keychains, and then I also have the best games from the Bengals going way back to the 2009 season when Carson Palmer was quarterbacking them. That is an oldie but a goodie. We'll be giving that away as well from our friends at All That Music and Video. All right, Adrian, where do we start? New head coach on a day when Notre Dame to the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl stole the show yesterday. The most um, unbelievable story that dropped into Bernie Olivas' lap. we got to talk about that today. The UTEP volleyball team winning Friday and Saturday, playing again Wednesday out at Memorial Gym against 
ACC, Clemson, so many great stories, but I feel like, and the NFL, with San Fran pummeling Philadelphia, just wrap up a busy weekend in the National Football League, I feel like Scotty Walden, as the 27th coach in UTEP football history, is probably right now as of 408 on a Monday, the story of the hour. Sure. It's, it was the story of all week. It was the story that everybody wanted to hear from. Uh, we talked about it off air, Steve, but it feels exhausting the way that we've been talking about it. Not even on air. The on air f- part is a lot of fun for us, but it's really off air uh, and how we how we talk about this left and right or how we really were consumed by this all of last week, all the way leading up to today and even getting today a little bit of the tidbits as to what happened after the fact. But yeah, it's done. Uh, Scotty Walden was the name that first emerged on Friday, so we talked about it then. We talked about how the finalists were uh, set for Dallas, and then yesterday they apparently re- they were uh, interviewing Brendan Marion yesterday uh, for a late um, interview, and understandably so. UNLV played in the Mountain West Championship game, which was held Saturday, so Brendan Marion, their offensive coordinator, interviews yesterday Sunday. Uh, but yeah, it all um, all of it is to say that Scotty Walden will be the 27th head coach in UTEP football history, and this is the most important hire of Jim Center's career here at UTEP as director of athletics. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. This is ultimately the uh, the hire that'll make or break Jim Center for the next three years. I mean, his contract is up in 2026, and if Scotty Walden comes in here and struggles and shows that he's not able to do what nobody else has been able to do, really, since Mike Price first hit the scene for those two seasons when he won eight games each of the first two years, UTEP could be looking for a new head football coach and a new director of athletics in the next four or five years. That's very, very true. So we will see that hap- what happens there. In fact, you mentioned Brennan Marion. Um, you know, we thought last night with reports starting to circulate that he could have been in town following his interview that maybe he would be named head coach uh, today and not Scotty Walden. However, uh, those reports uh, proved to be erroneous. And we found out that uh, Austin Pease, uh, head football coach, was uh, given the opportunity to take over the minors. It just made the most sense based on the finalists. Like, if you had to say with these four coaches, who do you think Jim Center would hire? Pretty much everybody was in agreement that Scotty Walden fits the head coach that really uh, Jim Center is looking for. You could look at Joe Golding and how he leaned on Joe when, you know, Jerome Tang and Chris Jans and others were interviewed as finalists. And really, Scotty Walden is along the same lines. He is. He fits that younger, energetic style. I mean, he's 34 years old, four winning seasons at the FCS level. He's been a Division One head coach uh, for four seasons, which seems like a short amount of time to some people. But when you do research on what he is and who what he stands for, uh, who he is, what he stands for, you really understand that this is a guy who wants that quick ascension into this sport at the FBS level. He's already the second youngest at the FBS level to coach. So let's see if UTEP for him is a quick turnaround like he made Austin P a quick turnaround. And, hey, we'll, we'll be able to tell pretty quick whether or not this was the right decision. And I think fans, they don't have patience, so they want to see quick no. results. So that's another thing to mention. Wednesday, when he comes in for his introductory press conference, there'll be a lot of questions on to what his approach will be for this UTEP job. So in his statement, his one statement uh, before the presser, here's what he hits on. He hits on, besides the thank yous, 
meaningful relationships with the people of El Paso and being involved in the community. So let's just break it down piece by piece, okay? Because, Adrian, we've talked about this ad nauseum off-air as well as on-air, and we are, we are all in agreement that in order for the uh, fans to come back, the next head coach, whoever that is, has got to get involved in the community. And that was one of the first things he mentioned after the thank yous that he really wants to do is being involved in the community. Yes, and I like the fact that he talked about that. I mean, that's a great approach. I feel like there are people out there who think that there's a big disconnect between the fan base at UTEP and then UTEP, and, and I think that he can help bridge that relationship, maybe mend some of that relationship for those who feel like they've been burned by this program. So, yes, I, I feel like that's definitely the case for him coming here. Meanwhile, um, he talked about not just bringing you a program to be proud of, which you would hope you would want to be, but then he said a brand of football. He mentioned three words, fearless, fast, and physical. And I think that if minor fans listened to those three words and said, what do they get most excited about? They would say fast because that's the one thing that UTEP football has not been from an offensive standpoint since the days of Mike Price. And even when Mike Price was here throwing the ball around, they were they were a pass-throwing offense, but they were never fast. I don't think UTEP's ever had an offense that goes fast. So if that's going to be the style that Scotty Walden's going to bring here, that's going to be a complete 180 from anything UTEP fans have seen in the past. And let me also say this. Three years, four years from now, the goal should be Scotty Walden getting to a Power 5 job. Scotty Walden using UTEP uh, to jumpstart the rest of his career, which uh, could have no limits. I mean, you think about 34 years old, uh, being very young in this uh, coaching mix right now, really kind of cutting his teeth at Austin P, but having uh, ties to Texas high school football, having ties to junior your colleges in uh, t- across the state of Texas. Those are all good things for Scotty Walden. Now let's see what he could do with a program like UTEP and see if it could either jumpstart his career and continue it into the Power 5 ranks or if uh, he's got to reevaluate things after this stint at UTEP and we're talking about bad things after three, four years. Say the two words that nobody wants to hear. Stepping stone. Thank you. Thank you. All right. We've got uh, Shahan Jairaja going to come on and talk a little bit about Scotty and an article that he wrote a few years ago and what he thinks he'll bring to the table. But let me get through some calls quickly, folks. We ask you just because of the show today and the volume to please be quick with your comments because we're going to try to get through all three before we go to break and come back with Shahan. Let's begin first with Jaime. He's going to kick it off. Jaime, you're up first. Go ahead, please. Yeah, I got my tickets for the Sunball Excited. Three tickets. Five hundred and seventy-four dollars, but hey, wow! Glad to see everybody. You know, hopefully we sell out the Sun Bowl. Show the nation what you know what our fans look like. Fantastic news, love it. Five hundred, almost two hundred dollars a ticket. That's what Notre Dame will do for you, Adrian. Jaime said it. That's exactly what Notre Dame does. I'm so happy. I'm so happy for El Paso. So happy for the Sun Bowl. Uh, The Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl uh, for the last year, having the tie with the Pac-12 here, uh, going out with a bang. I love it. Let's go to Orly. Next up, 15 past the hour as Sports Talk continues. Orly, your turn. Real quick, I hope he's an offense. I I like the fact he's going to open up the offense. I think most people didn't like the past two coaches. 
Uh, next one, congratulations to Bernie and getting Notre Dame. Great for El Paso. And the last thing is, I think the 49ers made a statement yesterday. They are the team to beat. And uh, what do the Cowboys and Eagles have in common? 49ers put 42 on both of them. Yeah, they did. Good job, Orly. Appreciate the call. All right, one to go. We'll finish it with Gator Richard. Richard, your turn. Let's hear it. Go Gators. Go Gators. Hey, Is that it? Uh, oh, okay. Nope. I don't know. FSU didn't do good when they played against the Gators. And Georgia, I mean, they won the game. Both teams won against the Gators, but they didn't look stellar. That's why they're both out. FSU... They got a pass in 2005 with four losses. They won the ACC championship and kind of did the moonwalk into the BCS tournament. I don't know if you remember it, but real vivid for me because Gators stomped on the last game of their regular season. So So they they got what they deserved. Yeah. All right. I'm with you on that. In fact, I would have left that. Go ahead. What were you going to say quickly because i got to get to a break. Go ahead, Richard. I was going to lead. The, I would left the Pac-12 out because they don't even exist anymore. Who cares? <laughs> That'd be wild. Wouldn't that be a great parting shot to the Pac-12 is just tell Washington and undefeated, nah, you're not going into the Final Four because you're leaving the conference. That would be an interesting statement. All right, Richard. Appreciate the call as uh, we clear the lines here and get ready to talk a little bit about UTEP's new head football coach with Shahan Jayaraja from CBS Sports. We're live, Border City L House. More in a moment as we go to Charlie One for traffic. Ready for Bengals Jaguars tonight, Monday Night Football. We'll also have UTEP Western New Mexico for you on the TVs out here at uh, Border City L House. Should be a great night tonight. 1506 Lee Trevino. The big news today Scotty Walden, the new head coach of uh, the UTEP football team. In fact, I want to thank Chad Middleton for taking a a great uh, message on Twitter from Sicko's Committee. How about this one, Adrian? I didn't see this until recently. This is apparently a quote from Scotty that, as Sicko's Committee said, we need to get a motivational poster. It says, I don't drink coffee. I wake up jacked. Yes, I saw this one. So on one end, you have a a basketball head coach who runs on Red Bull and Snickers and Joe Golding. And on the other side, you have uh, Coach Scotty Walden, who doesn't need any of that. He just wakes up jacked, ready to go. Well, that being said, let's bring in a man that did a big profile on him a few years ago when uh, Scotty was at East Baptist and uh, the rise of his coaching uh, fandom. And uh, that would be uh, one Shahan Jayaraja, who, excitingly enough, is uh, going to be uh, welcoming uh, his first child into the world here next month. What a uh, New Year's gift that's going to be for you and uh, your wife. Congratulations on that, and uh, thanks for coming on and giving us some time today, Sean. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. You know, the the hope, we're having a, a little girl, and the hope is that she should be born two weeks after the end of the college football season, so we're keeping our fingers crossed. Have you already kind of whispered a pep talk to her uh, through your wife and maybe given her the lowdown uh, that, uh, you know, make sure that uh, the arrival is timed perfectly so everything works out for the uh, Jairaja family? 
Well, listen, I mean, my my daughter won't know a world where Texas isn't the reigning Big 12 champion. She she won't know a world where Oklahoma is a member of the conference. I mean, she's going to enter into a different world than certainly I did when I was born. But yeah, we're we're keeping her right on track. We're trying to look, timing is everything. And I think when we get to, to talk about uh, the new head coach at UTEP, uh, we might get into that. Well, let's do it. Let's talk about uh, Scotty Walden, somebody that you profiled for Texas Football Magazine when you were working for them uh, prior to joining CBSSports.com. So he's somebody you had a chance to know. You uh, wrote a really in-depth piece about him. And uh, here he is a few uh, seasons later, coming off uh, nine straight this year at Austin P. He hung tough against Tennessee. Uh, he was a finalist for FCS Coach of the Year this year. And now he'll have an opportunity to try to do something that nobody's done, really, uh, since the days of Bob Stahl. And that's try to uh, turn around the Utah football program for good. Yeah, I, I mean, look, Scotty Walden, uh, for people who don't know, he has ties to the region. He's originally from Cleburne, kind of down south of DFW, and he had a chance to play at Sewell Ross. So he does know West Texas. He does know the region. Uh, and I'll tell you what, when you talk about Scotty Walden, the first thing to know is that he became a head coach when he was only 26 years old at East Texas Baptist. Uh, it was kind of a situation that he was thrust into, but he took it and really ran with it, had a lot of success over there, ultimately was able to continue to move up uh, with that Southern Miss as receivers coach and co-coordinator, was actually uh, interim coach at Southern Miss at only 30 years old uh, back in 2020 during the pandemic season, and then ultimately did get a chance to lead his own Division One program at Austin P. And not only has he been able to have success, like you mentioned, he's been able to have consistent success. And you hear Austin P. you know, this isn't, North Dakota State. This isn't one of these programs that you hear maybe advancing in the playoffs a whole lot, but he's been able to build something consistent there. He's recruited at a high level, brought a lot of excitement to the region, and look, this is this is a tough level to win at, to be able to do it consistently and stuff. When you look at Austin Peay, this is a program that's only won 35% of their games historically, and he's had wedding records basically every single year, so I'm excited about the hire. I think it's going to be a great fit. Shahan, when people look at this uh, coaching finalist group, uh, we talk about guys like Eric Price, Kenny Perry, Brandon Marion was in the mix as well, and of course Scotty Walden. Uh, how do you assess that finalist group right there? If you want to throw Zach Kitley in that conversation, sure, a name that popped up was rumored to also have interviewed over the weekend. How do you evaluate that list right there, knowing where UTEP is? Is this a good list of finalists, and did UTEP make the right decision of the finalists that they had well it's very curious whenever the job did come open because you know this job hasn't been on the market since back in 2018 and ended up hiring a, a power five offensive coordinator which was a solid hire at the time and you know had, had moments of success but this is a program that i think is ready to kind of move forward in some ways and, and hopefully take things to a slightly different level and when i look at these finalists i i'll tell you what I was pleasantly surprised at the caliber of applicants that was interested in this job. And I think that Jim Center did a really good job of narrowing down uh, a couple of different directions that he could go. You mentioned uh, Scotty Walden, of course, the guy who got hired. This is somebody who's young, innovative, offensive mind, also has the advantage of, the, uh, of having spent time in the region and also has the advantage of having been a head coach. You've got the really young, super schematic guy in Brennan Marion, who was 
in a lot of ways, the guy who keyed UNLV to the conference championship game. They won more than 10 games this year. This is not a place that's easy to win. Uh, and he was a huge part of that. But, you know, like I mentioned, he doesn't have the head coach experience. He'd have to learn on the fly just a little bit. Uh, in Kenny Perry, you've got a former Texas high school coach who now is working under Joey McGuire at Texas Tech. So experience in West Texas, experience uh, as a head coach as well at the high school level. And then in fourth, obviously, uh, you've got Eric Price, like you mentioned, somebody who has ties to the region, somebody who knows the program very well. It's a good group of finalists. I think that gives you a little bit different, but I love that they picked Scotty Walden. I think that he kind of brings some of the best of every one of those characteristics, and, and I think that that's probably the right fit at UW. What impresses you the most about Walden from what you've seen and spoken to other people about? It's a good question. So one thing to know is his offenses are fast. I mean, he really wants to get after it, and he wants to set the tone for how the game is going to be played with the way that he calls games. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I mentioned in my piece over Dave Campbell's Texas football is, you know, this is a coach who whenever they go to practice, it would be faster, 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 constant, 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 that sort of thing. You actually look at who his uh, co-offensive coordinator was at Austin Peay this past year. It's Lanier Sampson, who actually played wide receiver at Baylor during the RG3 years. And so th- that's the kind of offense that they're bringing to the table. Now, I, I got a chance to speak to Scotty for the story back in 2020, and he's, he's not just a speed guy, not just a pace guy anymore. He does know how to mix things up a little better, but he wants to set the tone with the way that he plays offense. And I think the other thing, too, is, uh, you know, you mentioned off the top. Uh, that's something that you hear so much is that this dude just has energy off the wall. That, that he, even though he doesn't drink coffee, he, he just, like, jumps up and he's ready to go every single day. And that's, the, the coffee thing is something I heard from multiple people that, that they commented on. And so I think that when you talk about UTEP, and, again, I, I, there are a lot of nice things that the last couple of staffs have done, but they've been older guys. They've, they've been guys who maybe are uh, just kind of want to settle and have a low-key job. Scotty Walden, I think, is going to have the energy to really want to be in the community, really build ties with, uh, with El Paso, really want people to be invested in the program. He's going to be a very public face. And, and I think that he just does a great job of getting people to believe in him with the, how authentic he is and with how consistent he is. So there's a lot to like. I, I think that he's going to be able to put together a staff of young guys that people are excited about. And the funny thing is, I, I was actually talking with Adrian uh, about this the other day. When you look at, you mentioned the, the, the Bob Chell era, like you're talking about an era where you had great young coaches, Hal Mummies and Andy Reid coming through this program, Dirk Cutters. The hope is that with a younger staff like this, maybe this could be the start of something new. More with Shahan Jairaja as we continue here on Sports Talk. But before we do, let's get right back to Adrian. He's standing by with his Sports Center update. With it here and bring back Shahan Jairaja. Shahan, I want to ask you specifically with uh, Coach Walden and the defense. What is his uh, what is his kind of philosophy on the defensive side? Do you think he could change it anywhere uh, as he gets hired at UTEP and maybe uh, maybe uh, you know mix up with another coach out there who has their own philosophies? He hires him on board, and then that philosophy is UTEP's new defense. What's his defensive philosophy look like? 
Yeah, so I think that when you look at his last little while, and one thing I'll contextualize, right, is that when you're at Austin P, when you're at East Texas Baptist, it can be a lot of let's see what we've got and work with it. And I think when you get an SBS job, it doesn't always necessarily work like that. Sometimes you go in and you have more of a, a philosophy or, or, you know, like you said, like, like you kind of were mentioning, maybe there's a new identity that can come sort of through. But this has been historically a pretty opportunistic defense. They play fast, uh, but they're really gunning for turnovers. They're really gunning to, to cause mistakes from the other team. Uh, the philosophy of it is kind of, you know, get the ball back to our offense and let's make things happen. I do think that uh, in this day and age, because look 10 years ago, I mean, I was at Baylor from 2012 to 2016. Obviously, I got an opportunity to see some of that stuff up close. I, I think that the sport has changed. I don't think you can just be a turnover machine type defense. Uh, you know, USC has kind of proven that in some ways right now. I expect it to be a little bit more balanced potentially than, than what it's been in years past. And that's one of the things, again, when I got to talk to Scotty back in 2020, he talked about using space and simulated pressure and simulated speed uh, to try to potentially, uh, you know, kind of use the tools available to, to mix up the way the game is presented to opposing offenses and defenses. So I, I don't necessarily know that he has a firm defensive philosophy that's going to, to be in place by week one, but I, I expect that that's going to be one of his things that's top of mind as he makes his hires. Well, what's interesting to me is when I looked at the numbers, I think they ranked about 15th in total team offense and 85th in team defense and FCS. And you wonder, now that he's here with the minors, does he all of a sudden look at maybe a more experienced defensive coordinator to bring in and and run a system that might uh, match the offense a little bit better for him here at UTEP than maybe he had the opportunity to do with his resources and funds at Austin P. No, it's a great question. I think that uh, finding people also that have those ties to West Texas, that have ties even into Arizona and Colorado and California, I think that will be a priority. Uh, when you look at, again, the programs that he's been at recently, it's East Texas Baptist, it's Southern Miss, it's Austin P. And certainly at UTEP, you can recruit nationally, you can recruit East, but I think you also have to be able to recruit West. I mean, that's just, I think, part of the job at this point. You look at what Dana Dimmel did and who he was able to bring into the program. So many of the best players ultimately did come from the West, uh, whether it's New Mexico, Jacob Cowling from Phoenix, et cetera, et cetera. And so I do think that that's going to be a priority for him is is potentially getting some people who really understand that, uh, that region of the country as well. And like you said, uh, potentially have a, a vision and a philosophy of, of coaching on both sides. You know, one other thing to mention as well is potentially uh, trying to get somebody who is used to coaching on the other side of a high-powered offense. You know, I mean, uh, USC, you know, for example, just hired Denton Lynn, the, the son of Anthony Lynn, the former Chargers head coach. And he's somebody who has had success. He had success at UCLA alongside the productive offense of finding defense that, uh, that really worked alongside that. So it's been one of the great questions of college football over the past five to eight years of how do you play defense alongside an offense that is so productive. But, uh, you know, I think that they'll have a lot of time to try to figure that out. 
I'll say this, too. You've seen what New Mexico State did this year. Um, I know a lot of people have probably said that that might have put a bigger emphasis on this because uh, you watch a a school just 30 minutes away from you uh, play for a championship game, and uh, you saw Liberty's chance to go play in a uh, New Year's Six game. I mean, that just once again shows you what can happen when um, you put it all together here in Conference USA. Absolutely. And I'll tell you what, too. It's not just uh, UTEP that is, if you want to say it, like a little uh, a little scared of what New Mexico State is creating. New Mexico moved on from Danny Gonzalez as well. And even if you go look up and, uh, you know, in, in the Mountain West, UNLV coming along and developing the way that they did. Nevada was like, oh, my gosh, we've got to move on. We've, we've got to uh, have an opportunity to continue to keep up with the Joneses. So I do think that it puts a certain level of pressure but like you said, it comes with opportunity. I mean, New Mexico State created a team that was good enough to go on the road and beat Auburn by three touchdowns because they hired the right staff and they developed and, and they brought in some really good assistant coaches who have been able to elevate this program. So I think that, uh, you know, look, there are advantages and disadvantages to, to being in a conference that most people would consider to be, you know, ninth or tenth in the pecking order. But the other part of that is, Success is attainable, and if you are able to create a team that's successful, you can compete for 8, 9, 10 type wins if things break right for you. So a lot is on the table there for for UTEP, and ultimately I think that uh, this could end up being a really good thing. I'll ask a simple question, Shahan. Do you think this is a young person's job at UTEP for football? (laughs) That's that's such a good question. I, I don't know that there's a definitive answer but what I will say is I think that at a place like UTEP, where resource-wise, where recruiting-wise, you are not guaranteed anything, I think that you need to hire a coach that's willing to try things, that's willing to be creative. It doesn't have to be a 33-year-old uh, like, like Scotty Walden is, but I do think that you need somebody who's just a little different. I'll, I'll make the comparison to like a Mike Leach. Mike Leach was always willing to, to recruit differently, to scheme differently, to call plays differently, to run his program differently. And I, I think that Mike Leach would have had success at UTEP whether he was 33 or, or you know, or, or 53, right? So I do think that um, that's more what I'd be looking for if I'm UTEP is somebody who's willing to think a bit differently because – you know, the reality is when you look at the advantages that UTEP has over everybody else, there's not a ton that are built in. But what you can build is, one, you're going to get time. You're going to get time to figure it out. You're going to be able to try things. Again, we, we saw some of the development of the air raid offense come in El Paso, Texas. Uh, and then the other part of it, too, is you're going to have the ability to kind of do things your way. And, again, Sometimes things are not going to work, but I think that one of the beauties of being at UTEP is you get to ride it out and figure it out as well. Shahan Jaraja covers college football for CBSSports.com. He joins us here on Sports Talk as we continue. You talked recruiting earlier when Adrian asked that question. UTEP does not have any NIL right now for football. That could be in the works. That's very possible. But as of this show, um, their football NIL is uh, very little at this point. And maybe now this new hire will establish something. Maybe you'll start to see Scotty Walden help uh, you know get people excited where they want to start collectives and set that up. But until that happens, how difficult is it 
in 2023, even if you're a guy like this, to come in and recruit difference makers when you don't have those resources at least yet at your disposal? It's, again, a great question. And I think that in hiring somebody from Kansas State in Dana Dimmel, that's a hire that's made to work around disadvantages. That, that's a hire that's made to raise the floor and uh, deal with the variance and all of that. In hiring a younger coach, I think the hope is that, uh, that one, like you said, they're able to try to build some stuff. But two, I think that it's also about creating different kinds of pitches. I mean, if UTEP were to try to get purely into the funding game, which is something that they need to do. They, they need to have a collective. They need to take care of their players through NIL, NIL. It's not just about acquiring new players. It's also about retaining the good players that you have. And so that is a piece that needs to happen. It's just part of college football at this point. But the other part as well is I think that it's also about trying to create a pitch where there are advantages. I, I mean, again, you know me. I've been out to El Paso multiple times. I love the city of El Paso. There's a lot to sell about El Paso, but the other part of it as well is is selling, uh, you know, selling a future, right? So, a great example of this is when you have a player come through the program like Jacob Cowing. That shows people that you can be the next Jacob Cowing, and that you can be the next Aaron Jones. And I think that one way that they're going to be able to do that is schematically. They're going to be able to get playmakers the ball in space. They're going to give people opportunities to put up a lot of stats and have a lot of yards and rush for a lot and pass for a lot. So, so that's also part of the, uh, the equation as well. But, it, I mean, it does come down to, in a lot of ways, you are going to need to be more involved in the community. You are going to get, uh, need to get people to buy in. And, and recruiting is something that, uh, that, that ultimately is built up slowly. And, and I think that that's going to be part of the process as Scotty Walden comes in is, is identifying how can I set a baseline for myself from a recruiting perspective? How can I add to it from an NIL perspective? And how can I continue to make an even better pitch as I head forward? Shahan, instead of asking you to either condemn or praise the college football playoff uh, Final Four, which, by the way, you could just check out your social and see your thoughts on that, I want to ask you about the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl instead, the, where uh, you could actually watch it on CBS, uh, your employer right now. What are your thoughts as we get ready for the 90th annual Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl between Oregon State and Notre Dame? Fans here locally are real excited, and this one could be on pace for a sellout. Yeah, I mean, the Notre Dame freaking Irish are coming to El Paso, Texas. What's not to love about that? It's going to be a great, great game. You know, obviously it puts a little bit of a damper on things that Oregon State uh, is going through a coaching change. But Trent Bray, their defensive coordinator, is now the head coach. And so I do expect a lot of their defense is going to be back for that game. And the other part of it, too, I mean, they have so many playmakers on both sides of the ball. Damian Martinez at running back is actually a kid from Louisville, Texas, up here in the Metroplex uh, to be really excited about for Oregon State at running back. And when you look at Notre Dame right now, I, I mean, they are a really talented team, obviously competed right down to the wire with, uh, with Ohio State earlier this year. And so these are two really good, really fun teams with, with up-and-coming defensive head coaches and again, I, I mean, I can't emphasize it enough. Notre Dame's coming to El Paso. I'm really excited.
You know what? We're excited as well. And by the way, if you have not had a chance yet to uh, check out uh, the rankings of the 2023-24 postseason, that's up at cbssports.com under college football. And Shahan's got uh, every story you might imagine on the the site as well. So definitely look forward to seeing all the content that uh, both Shahan and the entire team for CBS has up right now as far as college football as we get ready for the Bulls. Always great having you on. Appreciate the time and uh, looking forward to the next time we get to chat with you, Sean. Thank you so much for having me. We'll come back. Final 15 minutes. Hour number one. Sports Talk rolls along live out here. Border City Ale House with 600 ESPN El Paso. We continue here on Sports Talk. Uh, here are some of the messages we received this hour, okay? Adrian, that enemy win the number three. I know he wasn't the popular choice, but Scotty Walden was the right guy for the job. He's young, he has head coaching experience, and he has a winning record. Noah, at the Noah underscore G. Love this hire. No UTEP ties. Check. Bright young offensive mind. Check. And major pluses in previous head coaching experience. Familiar with the region and the conference. Clearwater at Clearwater win. This is beautiful. Makes up for the fact that we're not bowling. This gives us hope. A change of scenery and Coach Walden checks off all the boxes. No one knows how this will look in five years, but Jim Center did well here. Up to Walden, his staff, and the players to be great now. Adrian, just a sampling of what we've been receiving. Yeah, and I think the sampling, uh, you know, I, I refer, reflect back to Adrian at Enemy Win 3, who said, you know, this wasn't a popular hire. I wouldn't say that. I think it was popular among some, and I think others will be quick to discredit it, just like everything. That's kind of all UTEP uh, different things as far as coaching. Some people are going to be happy, and some people are going to be left disappointed. One hour down, 90 to go. Want to hear from you next. We've got lines available. Let's fill them up, folks. 505-6009, our telephone number. We're live, Border City, L House. Nothing but your calls and uh, comments throughout the rest of the show as we take you up till UTEP Hoops starting at 6.30 and our coverage here at the L House. Chance to watch the Bengals and Jaguars with us on 600 ESPN El Paso. All right, Buzz Adams, thank you very much. Welcome back, everybody. Start of hour number two. We're live, Border City L House, 1506 Lee Trevino. You just heard Adrian uh, in a moment ago saying uh, minor talk after tonight's UTEP Western New Mexico broadcast with John and Steve. Boy, that's going to be a wild one where you guys can dissect the basketball team, see if they can rebound from their loss uh, last week to Texas A&M Corpus Christi, and uh, also piggyback that with the new hire of Scotty Walden. Uh, it's like it's a bonus episode tonight of Minor Talk for you, Adrian. Exactly. In fact, uh, I talked to the Brain Trust earlier, and I think uh, we're going to be prioritizing a lot for football tonight. I think if you had to do a percentage-wise, going about 70% football when it's all said and done tonight. Ah, very nice. 70-30. Um, I was at Utah basketball practice yesterday. Felt like the team had a little more of the same kind of feel from the first two weeks versus the last two weeks. 
It's good to hear. I know for head coach Joe Golding, he was uh, dreading watching the film initially after that loss to Texas A&M Corpus Christi. Feels like an eon ago since that game yeah. actually happened, Steve. I, I think I've been consumed so, uh, you know, really in this football hire that I've uh, kind of forgotten about that Texas A&M Corpus Christi loss. I, I'll tell you what, that basketball team better not have forgotten that one, knowing that they've got Oregon on deck Saturday. That's the big one that you're circling yep. right now. Or Oregon. And sure, we still might not know much from UTEP after that game. So if you don't want to look at that game, then look a week from uh, last Sunday, which is Sunday, December 17th, Abilene Christian. That's the big one on the road for the UTEP men's basketball team. So that's the one that I'm, I'm definitely circling here. That's coming up in two weeks, actually. Yep. Two weeks from yesterday. You're right about that. Uh, speaking of two, two lines open, 505-6009. 505-6009. So many topics we could talk about today. Obviously, the big news, UTEP has a new head football coach um, in Scotty Walden. We could talk about Notre Dame and that unbelievable story that landed them in the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. What a um, – what just uh, – I, I, it's, it's Bernie Olivas got an early Christmas gift, and El Paso did too. That's so cool. Um, so that is something we could talk about. Uh, we could also talk about the final four for the college football playoff rankings. Adrian, I put it out there Saturday, what my rankings would be. And uh, I just, you know, I, I was pretty much uh, sold on having the uh, Michigan, Washington, Texas, and Alabama just in that order. Not realizing that, you know, about uh, 12 hours later, the NCAA would, uh, the CFP would release the exact same list. And uh, I didn't think it would happen. Um, I'm actually happy it did. Just because I watched Florida State, that to me was not a top four team. No matter how much you want to argue about being undefeated, I just, it's, it's hard, even though I know it's an injustice, to put a team in that you just know is is going to get smoked in the semifinals, and they're not the same team. And Alabama was able to beat Georgia and knock them off. So as far as I'm concerned, I know a lot of people didn't like it. I'm one of those that thought that the CFP committee got it right. You know, I, I felt like I was going to come into Monday like arguing with people about this one, but I, I'm on the same page, Steve. I, I feel like I watched Alabama, and you could make an argument out of uh, championship weekend, which happened this past weekend. They looked the best of the four teams uh, that were out there. With hey, with the exception maybe of Washington, because that game back and forth against Oregon on Friday, maybe one of the best college football series I've seen uh, in in years. I mean, yep. Oregon, Washington, the first game was an epic classic the second game was fantastic as well uh this weekend i was really captivated by that alabama game because or uh georgia went up early and you thought oh no is, is georgia gonna really run away with this are they gonna put the clamps down and show what they could do alabama rallies back milrose uh really finding his stride right now i think they're playing like the best team in college football right now bar none and you could even make that an argument over michigan right now the way that they're the way that alabama's been playing over these last 11 games since they lost to Texas. So I'm excited for the fact that they're in the CFP. I'm, I love the matchups, by the way. The fact that the Longhorns are in against the Huskies, that's going to be a fantastic matchup. That uh, really is. Hey, if you were at uh, Memorial Jimmy the Friday night with 2,600-plus fans setting a new all-time record or Saturday where there was just over 1,200 fans, but you want to talk about what that experience was like, give us a call, too. We've got one line now available, 505-6009. Let's get it started. 
First up, Fernie will lead us off in hour number two, live from Border City L House. How are you, Fernie? For now, we're having a hey, Steve. Yes, sir. I, I hope in three years from now, right, we're having a conversation, you know, on sports talk and uh, saying, hey, we're we're wishing Scotty Walden, you know, you know, that he's leaving the program because he's been winning and he got he got, he got himself a better job. You know, that means we'll be okay, right? If he, uh, that would be uh, much. That would be great. If he's leaving for a better job, then that means he did exactly what UTEP hoped he would. So, yes, I would. I would. For. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. I'm hoping we're having this conversation in three years of saying, "See, that's what we we went for." So, yeah, I'm all for it. Let's let's see what he does. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't know what the interview process was, and then why he got picked over you know these other guys right uh, but let's just hope they got it right yep. um and yep. another thing on the the Notre the Notre Dame thing man I was dragging my butt about the sumbo I was about to get some tickets a couple of days ago anyway I was gonna get usually where I sit you know for the UTEP were my season tickets right and then I mean like seconds right after I heard that it was Notre Dame <laughs> man I had to get onto Ticketmaster just like boom yeah and I got I got the tickets you know, for 22 bucks each, I got seven tickets, right? But I saw that within, I think, like an hour or two, they had jumped up to like 40. I think they're like at 40. They sold out, right? But they doubled on what prices they were going for at, at, through Ticketmaster. I haven't even checked, you know, like StubHub or anything like that where they're at now on the, on the prices. But everything just like doubled and tripled right away on the on the. I guess everybody was making a run on the on the on the game. So I'm I'm figuring what what do you think about forty eight thousand? Oh, I, those, it's going to sell out. It'll sell out. They've got resale tickets available. It's really fascinating to me because right now, believe it or not, other than just singles, this game is sold out. I mean, it is it is amazing right now. There's a couple of wheelchair seats available on the press box side. Which uh, you know you have to. It's it's you know for people that are in chair wheelchairs. But other than that, in singles, this game is basically sold out. It's unbelievable right now what uh, they have done in such a short amount of time. I am so impressed with how few tickets remain. I think you know it looks. I think looking ahead, I think the weather is going to be good. Not like the like the other one. You know when Notre Dame came back. So the weather's good. I mean, it's just going to be. You know, because I, I know that that back you know thirteen years ago when they came by, we still had what fifty thousand, fifty one thousand at the Sumble that could fit it in. And then after they make the the renovations, right? What are we down to about forty eight thousand or something? Yep, forty nine thousand, yep. about forty eight. So oh, it's going to be sold out. So, There's no doubt. I mean, basically, yeah. it's already Standing sold room. out. Let's put it that way. It's Standing other room. than singles and resale tickets, the game is sold out. Man, it's going to be a, a great, great freaking event for El Paso, man, and you know, I'm a big UTIP guy, but I do like Notre Dame, so I already got my Notre Dame t-shirt, you know, online right away. There you go. Uh, yeah, I'm, you know, I mean, heck, well, I, I usually won't won't wear anything other than UTIP, but if it comes to Notre Dame and Texas, okay, I'll do that, right? I guess like, the best than- thing you could do, if you really want to go to the game and not spend a fortune, is to go on the Oregon State website, and see if there's a way to buy tickets through their allotment on their site. That's probably going to be your best bet. 
Well, I mean, I'd, let's see how many people Notre Dame brings down here, you know, through their That's alumni. That's true, too. That is true, too. But, well, I mean, you know, they're they're national. You know, Notre Dame, it's, it doesn't matter. But let's see if they come to El Paso. And what, what's the name of the quarterback, Sam, whatever, it's from Notre Dame? That, uh, Sam Hartman. Uh, Sam Hartman. Sam Hartman. Yeah, yeah. I hope he doesn't portal. He doesn't do anything. I mean, I hope he actually plays in the game, you know, because that's he's, – he's a pretty exciting player, you know. And, uh, yep. Let's just let's just open that, and then you know what? Next week when uh, Egypt plays Oregon, Steve, please, you know, I hope they don't embarrass us like they've been doing the last two games. But go right. Miners! Appreciate you, Fernie. Thanks for the call. As we continue here on Sports Talk, let's go to Patrick. He's next up. Hi, Patrick. What's happening? Hey, how's it going, Steve? I'm fine, thanks, Patrick. How are you? I'm good. Hey, a couple things. First thing, hey, hook them horns, man. I'm I'm just tickled to death. I think they're I think they're going to play a salty opponent, man. I think Washington's as good as it gets. Yep. Uh, and here's my here's my main thing, and I wanted to propose this. And so, Utah they play New Mexico State in football. New Mexico State plays New Mexico in football, but Utah and UNM don't play each other in football. And I really think that. We need to create some type of uh, commander and chief type of trophy, uh, you know, type of deal. And those three need to get after it each year. And I think that would create a lot of regional uh, rivalry and passion. And two teams would, uh, you know, get their heart broken and be pissed off for the rest yeah. of the year. Yeah. While we have one team that can claim dominance. I really think, you know, I would love to see something like that and a commitment towards that. I just wanted to see what your take would be on that. I like that. the idea. I mean, Adrian, since UTEP lost that North Carolina, that New Mexico State rivalry game, they need a game every year, and so does probably New Mexico because they lost that with New Mexico State. Um, you know, maybe, well, actually, no, they still have it with New Mexico State. It's just, um, you know, UTEP lost the New Mexico State non-conference game. I just don't know if New Mexico would ever want to spend two of their four non-conference games every year with New Mexico State and UTEP. You know, it's so interesting. The way that we talk about the Lobos, it seems like they almost, uh, they, they kind of look down on UTEP. That, that's how I look at it from kind of the outsider or even inside on covering UTEP football year over year and, you, and covering these two programs. But I feel like when you just talk about the Lobos on paper, they look down on UTEP, un, unrightfully so. Like they, they have no right to do that, no right to look down on this program, the athletic department, anything like that. In reality, both of them in football are not very good, and both of them could benefit from playing each other in these non-conference yep. games so they don't have to schedule. This past year, they, they scheduled Tennessee Tech at home. How about scheduling UTEP at home, be a competitive matchup for both sides, and let it right. uh, happen like that? That's true. Appreciate you, Patrick. Thanks for the call. Let me take Chris as we continue here and get through the calls. Quarter past uh, on a busy Monday live from Border City Alehouse. Hey, Chris, I heard you were at the uh, volleyball matches this weekend. What were they like? Yeah, we were excited about Friday. We had never seen Memorial Gym fill up like that, and it was such an awesome sight and uh, such a, uh, a wonderful atmosphere. I was surprised that Saturday it, it didn't fill up as much. 
I was too. I, I don't know why that is. I don't. I would have figured Saturday everybody would have wanted to come back for one more round. But I heard a little over twelve hundred Saturday and twenty six on Friday, twenty six hundred. But yeah, that atmosphere had to be absolutely electric on Friday. Yeah, and I haven't seen the uh, totals for uh, Wednesday's game, but uh, hopefully it gets to that capacity as well because it it it, it was an electric feeling. Steve, I don't think UTEP has seen that kind of a crowd in quite some time. Well, the coolest thing about Wednesday is that's also the day of the press conference to introduce Scotty Walden as the new head football coach. So he'll have a chance to be introduced during the volleyball match Wednesday night, which is also going to be very, very cool. Well, that's a great way to introduce him to the fan base that yep. does believe and, 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 and does have the passion that, yeah, UTEP deserves. So, yeah, that's, that's good news. And, yeah, go, go Miners. they got a great team, Steve. I, I really think they can beat Auburn here. I mean, uh, yes. Uh, yeah, actually, it's um, it's uh, Clemson. Clemson, yeah. Yeah. All right. Appreciate you, Chris. Thanks for the call. I want to uh, bring in our third member of our broadcast team, uh, Alberto, who was uh, there doing sidelines uh, for the uh, UTEP volleyball matches on ESPN Plus with Duke Keith calling the action. Alberto, you tell me, what was that experience like for you Friday and Saturday with those big capacity crowds out at Memorial? It was a lot of fun. I hadn't seen something like that for UTEP, any kind of support for UTEP like that ever. Everybody's on the edge of their seat watching the game, invested in the game, and making their presence felt. I think that's really important for the team. I think that Wednesday they have an opportunity to make themselves even more felt. There's still a lot of tickets left, and they can get even more than 2,600 people in there. Yeah, I feel like that'd be the case, too. All I know is, you tell me, you've worked a lot of events for UTEP and done a lot of these kind of things. Was it just a different feel for you Friday night? Yeah, the feeling in the air, it's palpable. You can feel it. like it's You can cut the tension with a knife. Everyone's like holding their breath. It's something that's really cool. And that UTEP and the city, I know, wants to be a part of. We want to be a part of something where, where we can win something, put ourselves on a big stage. And I think this is that opportunity. And the minor fans have an opportunity to go in there and make themselves extremely felt to a Clemson team that came back like that reverse swept our, our volleyball team. So we have some, uh, the, they have the ability to exact revenge on this team. So it's all in our hands. It's going to be a lot of fun. Good job, Alberto. Appreciate that. Chris, you as well. Don't forget, folks, volleyball plays uh, at 7 o'clock on uh, Wednesday night against Clemson. We will be uh, we're working on trying to get uh, at a memorial. We'll see if we can pull that off for Wednesday's show. Uh, UTEP will announce Scotty Walden as their 27th head football coach at a press conference 2 o'clock on Wednesday. We're also looking to carry that live here on 600 ESPN El Paso. In the meantime, we'll get back to the calls. Joe, you're next right after Charlie One, who has this traffic update. It's Sports Talk Live, hanging with you, Border City El House. Live hanging with you. We've got uh, Pint Night out here at Border City Ale House, 1506 Lee Trevino, $350, $450, 50 pints, $3 uh, Corona cans, and also $4 fireball shots. The menu is unbelievable. Doesn't matter what you want. You could take the nachos, the fajita tacos, the half pound burgers, the chicken sandwiches, uh, the wings, which uh, are delicious in itself, uh, and get yourself a nice meal out here at uh, the Ale House. Loaded fries, if you like that as well. We'll be watching. 
watching the Bengals and the Jaguars giving away prizes at halftime to go along with UTEP and Western New Mexico on the screens as well. All right, I've got lots of uh, messages on the app. We've got messages also uh, coming our way at 600 ESPN El Paso on uh, Twitter X. Um, Everybody wondering, when's the press conference? The press conference will be Wednesday to introduce Scotty Walden as the new head football coach. 2 o'clock on Wednesday. And yes, we are looking at airing that live in its entirety here on 600 ESPN El Paso. But in the meantime, let's go back to the phones. Let's begin with Joe, and then we'll get to Bobby and Ray here on the program. How you doing, Joe? Hey, Steve. I'm doing pretty good. Hey, I just want to touch base on uh, my NFL football team, the Houston Texans. Yep. I uh, I think we're an up-and-coming young team full of rookies, good coaching staff. I'm looking forward to what the future has for us. And, well, um, go ahead. It's amazing. Like, I had zero expectations for the Texans this year. Zero. And so far, they're 7-5. and five. I mean... Let's be honest. D'Amico Ryan, that's one of the best coaching jobs you're going to see in football. Yes, sir. In, in April, I put a $100 wager in Vegas for the Texans to win the AF South, and I put a $100 wager for them to win the Super Bowl. Not saying we're going to win the Super Bowl, but I threw it out there. What was, uh, what was the odds for the South? Okay, for the South, it's uh, 100 pays you 900 and 100 for the Super Bowl pays you 13000 Good night. Well, listen, Super Bowl, I don't know, but you definitely have a chance to get that $900 payout when it's all said and done. Good luck for you. That's awesome. Hey, real quick, Steve. I'm not, I'm not trying to be a negative Nancy. I'm happy that Notre Dame's coming. I got tickets today. We waited three hours in line at the Sun Bowl Association. There is only one thing that I'm disappointed in. Loyal to the Sun Bowl the last 23 years. Awesome people. Whenever you call, they're happy to take your phone order. Charge your card over the phone, how many tickets you need, what section, super friendly people. But for some reason today, they didn't want to take your phone order. They said, do Ticketmaster or get in line. We're only taking big orders. I know why. I know why. Uh, And this is the honest-to-God truth, Joe. They were overloaded since that announcement yesterday. Just imagine where your phones basically go crazy Everybody wants phone orders, and you are just, you can't keep up. You can't keep up with the volume. That's why it was all online, because they just would never have been able to handle the volume of calls coming in after Notre Dame. Agree, and I understand that. I'm just saying, you know, if they have the time to answer you and and explain to you, go online, come in here in person, I mean, it it just could have taken an extra minute. What's your sure. name? What's your ticket? That, that's all I'm trying to say. I'm not trying to be negative. I just They've always wanted you to call and order them, but not today, just because they got Notre Dame. I just Makes felt sense. like they said, well, we're already going to sell out, so just order them online. Yeah. And the tickets were triple the price. Oh, I believe it. I believe it. So, Joe, thanks for the call. Thanks for uh, the comments, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Let's move from Joe to Bobby. He wants to talk about the 49ers' destruction of the Eagles yesterday uh, out there in Philly. Bobby, how are you? Hey, what's going on, guys? I haven't called in a while. What do you think about those Niners yesterday? They look pretty sharp, huh? I feel like um, they had their uh, three-week stretch where they stumbled and made everybody question whether or not this team was going to be able to do what they were expected to do. Because you think about it, 
You lose in back-to-back-to-back weeks to the Browns, Vikings, and Bengals. Um, and, you know, two of those three games came on the road. Uh, on the road, And I had some doubts. But, yes, they have looked terrific these last uh, four weeks. They destroyed the Eagles. And when you think about what San Fran has left, and that is rematch at home against the Seahawks, at the Cardinals, home against the Ravens, at the Commanders, home against the Rams. There is absolutely no reason whatsoever why San Francisco should not be 14-3 and heading into the playoffs and probably have home field advantage throughout. Yeah, I was just, uh, you know, I was watching, of course I watched the game, and, uh, you know, they've been playing pretty good. I think their defensive line that they have is, is incredible. That uh, Hargrove, Bosa, Armstead, even Kinlaw came in because Armstead got hurt. Um, Greenlaw, of course, that stupid thing he did. Greenlaw's a beast. That guy's a, and what's and uh, of course Warner. He's a he's a he's a great linebacker, uh, number one linebacker and ranked. What do you think about all those guys that, you know, they, they can't keep them all. I mean, I've been watching the Niners for years, and I know that um, Ayuk and Greenlaw they only signed them for one year. Yeah. So big rumor going on at the Niner Nation is that one of them for sure is going to leave. And they're saying that Greenlaw might be gone because they don't want to lose Ayuk. So, but the Niners, if you look at all their history for the last six years, Shanahan has to get Coach of the Year soon because this guy got the worst team in the NFL, two and fourteen when he came there, got them four and twelve. I think they were like eight and eight. Take them to the Super Bowl, to the championship twice in a row, the three times. So, man, this guy has done wonders for. I don't know how many coaches have gone what he's done when he got the worst team. I'm talking the worst team in the NFL. They were two and fourteen. So you got to give that guy credit. And ah, I, tons, tons. Yeah, they're going to have a since they got rid of Lance, which they should have got rid of Lance about a year ago at least, in my opinion. I mean, I was pulling for the guy, but he didn't have it. It was just you can see it. He was just throwing the ball way far. I went to a couple of games. Oh my God! I mean, he just looked. I don't know. He was just throwing his strong arm, just throwing the ball too hard. Let's put it this way. Bobby, Bobby, I got to move on. I appreciate the call because we're busy today. Let me just say this about the Niners, okay? Um, They will have to make a decision. I could see Greenlaw being out. The uh, fight yesterday with the security guard is a totally different story. I need to get on on that sometime soon. Um, But, no, Purdy's terrific. Uh, they, they, you know, they stole him, and he's basically that exception to the rule of a quarterback drafted late that can uh, do what he's been able to do. And uh, they're a team on the rise. I like Ayuk too. You got to keep the offense together as much as possible. And yes, Shanahan deserves a ton of credit for what he's been able to do. Adrian, the Niners, uh, besides their brief three weeks where they stumbled, have clearly been head and shoulders better than everybody. Yeah, I would. I mean, if you're rooting against the 49ers, then you're probably going to root against a winner. I mean, that's the bottom line. Like you, you watched last night. If you're an Eagles fan, I thought I thought the Eagles embraced that underdog role in a positive way. But there's a reason why the 49ers were a three point favorite on the road against a team like the Eagles, which has only lost a game before yesterday's matchup. So uh, that's a tough task. But this is a tough 49ers team. I've said it once, I'll say it again. Win healthy. Win healthy 
San Francisco should be the best team in all of the NFL. Now, the health part of it still concerns me, knowing they rely so heavily on Christian McCaffrey, knowing they rely so heavily on those physical linebackers that we're talking about, and uh, not to mention, Purdy is not necessarily the guy who's been the most durable through his two seasons thus far. So those are all things to keep in mind, 49ers fans. If they're healthy, they should be the best team in football. We'll get back to the phones. Ray and Andy will join us right after Adrian, who's got this bottom of the hour Sports Center update. Thank you very much as we continue right now. 35 past the hour. Let's jump right back to the phones. 505-6009. Ray is up next. Ray, how are you? Doing good, Steve. First of all, let me start by saying, as early as last week, Nick Saban and the commissioner of the SEC we're putting this in the committee's mind that if there was no SEC team in the championship playoffs, that it wouldn't be right. Yep. That being said, the commi- I knew right then and there, regardless of who, I knew if, if Georgia won, they were automatically in. But I knew that if Alabama beat Georgia, Florida State was going to get the shaft because they had to put Texas in because Texas beat Alabama. And they were going to put Alabama in if they beat Georgia. It's all about favoritism, in my opinion. And opinions vary. Favoritism and the fact that they say that the SEC is the best conference in the country. Maybe last year, maybe the last couple of years that they've won, what, 10 or 13 out of 17 championships? I understand. But every year is different. This year, Florida State deserved to go in because of what they did. Now, they're saying that they're not the same team. So what, what are they saying? They're saying that the second-string quarterback and the third-string uh, third quarterback are, are no good? Is that what they're saying? Because they lost their starting quarterback, so everybody else that plays that position isn't any better? Come on. It's Ray. all about – when you stop and think about it, Steve, it's all about the money. Ray, listen to me. I watched that game on Saturday night. I watched the, I watched the Florida State-Louisville game. I did not want to see Florida State in the semifinals of that tournament. Not even close. That team is a shell of what they once were. And the fact is, to me, if you put them in as the four, and they play Michigan, and as good as Florida State's defense is, they basically do what Iowa did on Saturday night. That's not what I want to see. That is absolutely not what I want to see. And the fact is this, okay, Ray, the ACC commissioner, had a chance this year to vote for 12 teams instead of four this season and voted against it, voted it down. So if we're talking about 12 teams, we're not discussing this right now because Florida State's in, and it's a no-brainer. But when plus you watch... Plus at the same time... Yeah. Plus at the same time, that defensive coordinator or whoever made that defensive call in the Auburn game... Yeah. They ought to fire that guy because if they play a better defense and put pressure on that quarterback, he never throws that pass. Fair. But you know what? Even if the SEC is down, it's a better league than the ACC. The ACC is not nearly what the SEC is, and you know that. And if you're going to take a team like Alabama beating Georgia for the the SEC title, first loss of the season, and you don't reward Alabama and put them into the Final Four, something's wrong. So to me, I feel they got it right. I'm sorry. I do. If Florida State showed any semblance of the same team they were for the first 11 weeks of the season, this wouldn't even be a discussion. But they're not, 
and you absolutely, despite their undefeated record, you can't have them in the Final Four. Otherwise, you've just given Michigan the easiest game you possibly could. But now you're giving Michigan the hardest game, so that's okay. But at the same time, Steve, yeah. don't uh, student-athletes from Florida State that busted their tails from the beginning of spring training all the way till now, they did what they were supposed to do. You're they vilifying did. them. You're they did. I don't disagree them. with you're, that. You're holding them. And that's terrible. That's not well, good for the – what listen. are we telling the college athlete? Yeah, but then again, okay, so let's let's put it this way. Let's say Florida State gets in and Alabama and Georgia don't. You're telling me that you're going to leave both SEC schools out and you're going to have a 13-0 and Florida State over in Alabama or Georgia, or you're going to leave Texas out, who had one loss at the very end of a game to Oklahoma but beat Alabama? You can't. This was one of those years, Ray. This was one of those years where somebody that deserves to be in is not going to make it and, and, and they're not going to be happy. And if, if there was ever a reason to expand to 12 teams, now you have it. Now you have it. Not the first time it's happened. Now, one more comment, Steve. As, uh, the earlier caller that said that he was a little upset because of the phone calls for the Sun Bowl, I've been going to the Sun Bowl for well over 28 years. This year, my party consists of 40 friends and family. I learned my lesson the hard way a couple of years ago. Thank God uh, I was able to get tickets ahead of time for the a Notre Dame game. This year, I learned my lesson from past experience. I went and got my tickets like a week after they went on sale. Nice. Back in October. So that uh, early, uh, the, uh, the time that I went to get them early, it paid off because look at who's playing now. No doubt. Don't, we, don't get our, we don't get our tickets be, and wait to see who's here. We get them because we don't care who, who's playing. We're going to go have a good time and watch a good football game. We've Ray, been that's doing the, it for that's, well that's over awesome. 28 years. That you is know? awesome. So don't, yep. my, my advice, if you're a longtime fan and you've been going for so long, why are you waiting till the announcement? Go before. Who cares Good. who's playing? Just go yep. and have fun and enjoy the game. Appreciate you, Ray. Got to run, pal. Got to say hello to Andy, and then we'll go to break. All right, Andy, your turn. What's going on? Oh, he, he stole my thunder about Florida State, but uh, that same sentiment about the UTEP uh, – Oh, not UTEP. Sunbull, use that with with UTEP. Go out and have a good time, regardless of, of the game. But uh, the Jaguars are playing tonight for the first time in about five years or so on Monday night. I'm gonna go spend a little time with you, Steve, uh, at the at the Yale House. Good to uh, enjoy, enjoy, and um, it, winning is is new to this team a little bit. Uh, but they're learning how to win. I'm looking for Trevor Lawrence to kind of come into his own still. He's he's pretty good, but he's not at that elite level yet. Hopefully he gets there. Love Doug Peterson and what he's doing with this team. They're young. Um, hopefully that guy doesn't win his Las Vegas bet with the Texans. But they've been a surprise. But uh, I'm, I'm, looking very, I'm looking forward to this one very much. Come over here. We'll argue about the CFP after the show, all right? Okay. Sounds good to me. Thanks, Andy. All right. 18 in front of 6. Hanging with you till 6.30 out here. Border City L House, 1506 Lee Trevino. Andy loves the Jaguars. He'll be here in a little bit. We'll keep things moving right after this. It's 600 ESPN El Paso.